All right, welcome to Three Boys, One Couch, where we get together and we do a commentary on our favorite movies. Not even our favorite movies, just a movie. I'm excited about this one. It's it's maybe not my favorite, but it's fun. Yeah, it's I'm, fun super, I'm super hyped after that song. This has got to be our best <laughs> pick for opening music, yeah. I think. I, 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 no way Sicario is better. No, Sicario does have a really good one. Sicario is just like, I just love how it is not the tone of anything in that film. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love and you're it. You're like, yee! Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> like, that was probably the most excitement in that whole film <laughs> right there in your voice. Uh, but we're going to do a commentary on Blade Runner, the uh, final cut. Make sure if you're watching this along with us that you do the final cut because there are multiple versions of this. There's like the original release, yeah. there's a director's cut. <laughs> And then there's this final cut, which is more the director's cut than the actual director's cut, apparently. This is the one that Ridley Scott refers to as, like, this is his true vision for the film. As of now, it is available on Netflix. Yeah, yes. But yeah, this was done in 2007. It's like the 25th anniversary of the original release. So that's what we're going to watch, and we're going to start it in three, two, one. You know, it's funny that it's the the final cut. Like this is like the uh, quintessential viewing experience because I honestly think there's things that need to get cut from this version. Yeah, I guess I don't know enough about the other ones to yeah make I don't, an informed decision on. Yeah, that. I've only ever seen this one. So. Yeah, I don't either. It's just there are certain shots that don't feel like they belong. They feel like if it went to theaters, that would be the first thing a studio exec would be like, you yeah, know, that needs to get cut. That doesn't make any sense and it doesn't flow very well. And I think even like as a general audience, that would be you. You'll probably see those scenes and be like, I don't understand what that was. It doesn't. It doesn't fit into the tone. It doesn't expand the plot. They're very, very strange. But we'll point them out when when they come up. Right, and because we're watching this on Blu-ray, so we'll let you know like when it does like the actual opening scenes. We're just going through the opening credits right now. Uh, when that way we're all lined up for the viewer. Um, but yeah, so I actually think it's this is such kind of like a throwback to you know, older movies where they, they just have the opening credits and there's not something else going on along with it. Well, it's actually not actually, uh, in terms of film history, it's not unusual to have something going on behind the opening credits. Just the fact that the opening, that the credits at the beginning are um, at the beginning. A lot of films don't do that anymore. I thought Star right, Wars was, right. Star Wars was the first one to not do it. I don't it know was if it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a big, huge deal. Yeah, because yeah. uh, they, they, all the writers and everyone got really mad because they were like, <sighs> they're like, you have to put us at the beginning, you know, and, and the actors are like, I don't know. I don't know how involved the actors were, but I know that there was a big problem with like the producers and writers being like, you have to say who is involved in the film at the beginning. You can't just open it up that way. And George Lucas was like, it ruins the whole film if I do that. Like it has yeah. to start with the crawl, you know? Yeah, I do. Th- I do think he's right. That was such a a monumental moment in cinema history that right. no one was expecting it and just like you can also even you, you can feel that moment right. regardless so now we're opening up onto the uh your uh kind of crawl kind of explaining what the replicants are and what's yeah. going on in this story your the next exposition yeah i don't think it's bad yeah. no i think if you have a universe like this you kind of have to to establish like what we're getting into here it's just being thrown in you know i don't know i feel like honestly like i don't i think you can say all of this in more more subtle ways that you don't need this in order to uh it, it only depends on if you're if you're the whole point of your film is about the story the whole point about of your film is the story and you want people to understand it and you don't necessarily need them to get the the symbols and the subtext then you put things like this i think it cheapens yeah. a film be, and it says like we're not that intelligent that we're trying to make anything other than what you see on the screen but he does try to make something more out of it which is why i find this kind of useless i think it depends if you want harrison ford to begrudgingly tell you about the 
Uprise of the Nexus 6 model. Yeah, which or if I you don't want to read it. Yeah, so. I'd rather read it. So it starts off in uh, November 2019. Not sure if you guys remember what you were doing in November of 2019, but I went to a monster truck rally that month. Man, I have no idea what I was it doing. It was super fun. 2019. I remember hearing about, well, maybe not November, but it was about that time starting to hear about coronavirus. Wouldn't that be oh, it? Oh, it was. Wow, it was so then, it. yeah. Well, this is a much more bright future than what we currently have. <laughs> the November 2019 of Blade Runner is <laughs> picturesque compared yeah. to the, what we're going through now. I do love this shot. So I'm not a huge fan of this film because I don't find um, that his camera angles are all that engaging. But I do love this. We're just setting up everything. I love the the, the photo of the the eye right there. And we're just getting a sense of like how dark and how smoggy everything is. Like it's, it's a part of the landscape that we're just burning, you know, something fuel, garbage, refuse. Oh, you see all like knows. the flame exhaust just popping up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then reflected in the eye. A lot of this is just a... Uh, uh, miniatures and then uh, uh, map paintings in the back, um, which I think I I love. Anytime you can put those paintings in the frame, I think they look great. Yeah, it's such a it's such a style of this time that I think looks awesome. And it's just kind of now you just it's so easy to just make it CGI that you don't really need to have an artist come in and like put that sort of effort in. You have a different like visual artist do a different thing. So yeah, and that's actually what David Lowry said about when he was doing the Green Knight. He was a fan of those matte paintings. And there are a few scenes that they actually like when they were uh, at the round table, they do have like extras painted in around the outside. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And you wouldn't recognize because everything's just so dark and, and shaded. Do you want to put the subtitles on, dude? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude doesn't have a chin. <laughs> Neither do I, man. It's okay. So I grow a beard, though. You should do the same thing. I love how everyone just, like, everything's just smoking. You know? Press triangle. I hate PlayStation. I have no idea how to work it. Oh. Yeah, they're different each time. I know exactly how to do this. Oh, wait. Shit. <laughs> square why is it square <laughs> we should have been more prepared for this one sorry i always turn it off even though i know you guys are coming over I'm sorry. <laughs> okay there we go it's hard to hear all of your great opinions over the film i love how this is you know they're they're artificial intelligence right you would think that they would be, it would be some other baseline than an interrogation. Like, interrogations themselves are faulty because they're being performed by humans. You know, everyone loves to talk about how bo- you can read body language. It's, that's not true. It's, there's a large body of evidence that says that when someone is trying to lie, you will pick up on the wrong markers for whether they're lying or not. It's yeah. a very terrible system for uh, determining truth. And so the fact that they're doing that with, with something that is <laughs> like sp- generally smarter than us, like it has, they have more data built into them. I don't understand this, the, why you go with something like this, you know? It's discrimination, Calvin. <laughs> It's literally all this is because like they bring up later, like, have you ever taken the test or whatever? And it's there. It doesn't matter what they say or what they do. They're like, okay, we're going to decide when you die. <laughs> so this is the Voigt-Kampf test is what they call it. And it's based off of uh, the Turin test, which is trying to determine if the whatever you're speaking to, is it machine or is it human? It's 
basically a test to kind of oh, like the, tell the those catcher on the on the internet. So I the click, <laughs> yeah, so this is, all there, there, click where there are light posts in this yeah, picture. Exactly. That's essentially what this is. <laughs> it's a captcha comment that you have to fill out. But I think it's interesting because that's like, you know, uh, what is it? Um, there was a movie that was oh. about Turn that came out not too long ago. Imitation Game. So it's kind of based yeah. on that, like the replicants that's trying to test if they are real life or if they're an imitation of life as a replicant. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting. I think it is interesting. You don't like the test, but I think it fits in this film well. I think they just, they've executed it in a way that isn't true to the Turin test. Like you can, that, that thing can absolutely pass the Turin test. Um, but that doesn't mean that it is or isn't a replicant. That's, that's my problem with it. So I had this conversation with my dad and like he has this, uh, he's like, technology's advanced so much in your lifetime and all this stuff. He's like, I would have never seen this coming. I'm like, every movie from when you were younger has us having flying cars and all this crazy shit by now, and you're surprised by cell phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like we're way, way behind schedule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of dads, this is one that my dad liked. To my watch my up. dad loves this movie. Yeah, yeah. this and uh, the Fifth Element are two of his. Oh my god, my dad yeah. loves Fifth yeah. Element. That's funny. That's also one of my dad's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Our dad should hang out and start a podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three dads, one couch, right? Yeah. <laughs> three dads, three boys, one couch. <laughs> oh, man. We've just started our own subcategory. <laughs> but I I remember watching this and being pretty young. Because uh, I also watched like Matrix not long after it came out. When that came out, I was like eight. And I remember when it came out on VHS and my dad bought it. He like had me and my brother sit down and watch it with him. That's incredibly violent, and this has a, a fair amount of violence in it too. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. being like nine watching this. <laughs> yep. I think this is so weird how they treat language in this film. You know, everyone's shoved into the same sector. Like, I'd imagine that at this point, some sort of common language would have come about. Yeah, they'd be have... speaking Gubak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Like, I like the fact that we've we've kind of taken that melting pot to the extreme. Everybody that was left behind on, on Earth is basically congregated in these um, in these dystopian metropolises. It's crazy because everybody is white. I mean, no. that dude's <laughs> Japanese. You gotta, yeah, I think you've... <laughs> like, 95% of the people in this movie are white people. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, yeah. if you look at the extras, that's true. But Edward James almost is... Uh, um, some type of Hispanic. Oh God, that sounds so dumb to say out loud. <laughs> I think it's uh, Latinx is the is the term now. I I don't think that most like people care that that's like they they'd pro- they'd prefer to be called by uh, where they're re- originally yeah. from. His accent, I think, sounds like he's certainly wasn't born here. So I'm sure he would like to be referred to as that country of origin. Yeah, I love that he's still just eating his ramen. Like I can understand why this film was good for its age, um, but that like that camera that was sweeping like as a to be in the perspective of the car, it right. just feels very manufactured. It's like like this this shot right here is very it's very smooth. It's not very it's not all that stylish. It's like I want the camera as slow as possible so that you can see all of the details of my world. I think you could pull back a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little especially in, inside the car. Yeah. It's a little funky. 
Yeah. So as they pull up to this building, I don't know if you guys noticed, there's all like this kind of product placement throughout this film on these like kind of holographic screens. There's mm-hmm. one for Pan Am, yeah, which is like that. no longer an airline anymore. Uh, <laughs> there's one for Atari, which is no longer a game system anymore. <laughs> um, there's a couple like that. Um, and a new one, there's Sony. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, this is just. The Sony's the studio, on yeah, it, but yeah, yeah. and I like that they definitely got their product placement uh-huh. in. But uh, there's like a uh, a theory or a, a curse people think because there's a there's a couple advertisements in this film, and they all ended up being companies that either lost money or had some kind of like bad financial event occur shortly after Blade Runner came out. Yeah, or they went out of business. So it's just kind of funny to I mean kind, I of, kind of kind of spot these things throughout it. I'd I imagine keep my like. Eye out. Yeah, but especially with when regards to uh, electronics, I don't think that you could have a single one of those companies at the time and have them continue now, you know? Because I don't think even Apple, like in 82, well, and this probably would have shot in 80 or 81, I don't think they were at that point where they were good enough that you would put them as a product placement, you know? Unless, I guess, unless they retroactively put all that stuff right. back when 2007. But then you, you have know? one, you have a, like, like Quasinart is one of the... Uh, advertisements in this oh, that's a, that they make appliances they make like kitchen appliances yeah yeah but, but they some. they they went out of business but they got like or they got bought out because they were bankrupt so yeah. that's another one they they went through some financial struggle but yeah it's just fun to find those things in the background i think i do wish that they explained the blade runner dynamic a little bit more you know they don't they just kind of talk about them retiring um replicants they don't it it seems like they're that they're more or less outlaws but it's just kind of hinted at and it's only in yeah. very small parts we don't understand how they actually fit into society yeah he's basically like josh brolin and sicario yeah like that type same, of like shadow kind of, like warrior yeah. but like like it's just a consultant kind of yeah. comes in and cleans up yeah yeah but it's 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 strange but it's like like harrison ford doesn't want to do this but he has to and there's not really a tell of why yeah, but like even like like what like even if it wasn't Harrison Ford and it was some other Blade Runner, like what is yeah. a Blade Runner's function in society outside of just replicant? Like w- they they don't seem to be like they're respected, but they're hunting down replicants which nobody respects. So I don't understand necessarily what a Blade Runner is, and I don't think they say anything about him being a Blade Runner until like the second half of the film. Yeah, like are they like conscripted by the government to do this? Are they just, do they, is some of you, you get volunteered to do? Does some of you volunteer? I volunteer as tribute. Yeah. Yeah. Or or is it just, is it just a job you apply for? Yeah, I guess. Are they mercenaries? Like, are they a part of the police force and they're just contracted? Right. I guess I just assume he's a, a police officer of some kind. Like, I I don't think he is. But I guess you're, that's what I'm saying is I just assume that because I guess it's not like, uh, really told to you. Yeah, and introducing all of the replicants here is... Again, we don't go into enough of replicant history that we really understand the dynamic here either. This dude's awesome. Yeah, there you go. Roy Batty. Yeah. Probably the leader. Yeah, well, we find that out. <laughs> Yeah, I love how it's just assumed just because, um, like, he's a combat model, bot, uh, combat model. Like, it's not it, and it's basically gendered in that sense, you know, because mm-hmm. the I think there's 
because there's four of them, right? Yeah. So two of them are women. So that leaves only two other ones. And so they just don't like the dude with the yeah. mustache because he doesn't seem to project that same type of confidence. So there's mystique. five actually because one of them goes for Terrell and he's he gets away or he's killed. Is but there? I guess in the original cut of this, they say that six uh, replicants got on the ship and came back to Earth. And they had to like, they're like, oh, that's wrong because there's only five that appear in the film. <laughs> uh, so you get your group of four and then the one that kind of splintered off to do his own thing. I don't so remember it should be the five fifth total. one. Well, what's the fifth one then? He goes after Terrell on his own. I, I'm maybe skipping ahead. Uh, but, but, thought, but, yeah. but in this scene, they fix that. They kind of go back and edit it to say that five replicants got on the ship. Oh, was it five? I thought there were four. I thought they said there were only hey, four. Hey, Coca-Cola's still around. Oh, yeah. Apparently they had, uh, th- shortly after this came out, they changed to New Coke. Oh, which, they was, not, the flavor. which was not very well received and they had a huge financial yeah, loss. That did was, really happen. Wow. <laughs> so that was like, the, that was the Blade Runner curse affecting Coca-Cola. <laughs> There's that meme where it's like Coca-Cola keeps coming out with these new flavors, like the coffee Coca-Cola or whatever. It's like, just put cocaine in it or oh, stop yuck. making it. That's so gross. <laughs> Okay, so this this right here, I hate. I don't understand this music. You know, we're we've established that this is uh, like a neo noir type film. It's supposed to be very dark and like I get like weird senses, but it's also supposed. It's almost like uplifting and like oh, magical, like cool. It doesn't fit with the tone of what's yeah, happening. Right I, now. I like the synth in it, like I do, but I do wish it was like very darker and like more like bassy almost. I think it would mm-hmm. it could fit in a different I, I don't think it doesn't belong in this movie. I think it just doesn't fit in this scene. Yeah. It's more and, what I think of it. And when we get into 2049, uh, I'll bring that up cuz there is a very specific part where they use this refi- refrain yep. Yep. and I do it fits in in 2049, which is why I ultimately don't think that this is a very good movie. There's there are a lot of things that just he doesn't he just doesn't under, seem to understand like how to make things work. Like, he just wants to make things stylish and make things new. Yeah. Like, this is cool. Her like, eyes are not green. <laughs> That's right. Um, like, all of this is very cool. I like how they've set everything up here as basically, like, Egyptian... Um, uh, like gods, like that's right. that's what they are. Like they they're creators of life, and, yeah. And those that type of, those type of god symbols. Um, well, and just even the the pyramid architecture of the buildings that they that he goes into. Yeah, it's like know, Aztec. It, it totally almost. matches that. Yeah. Yeah, meant to show the difference in uh, especially so, like uh, social and and in this case cultural or like like where where what their um their agency not agency but their station in society is they're significantly above everyone else right in the in the city at least i like this dude a lot better than jared leto yeah because they sort of embody that it's kind of the same character between the two films yeah Did we mention why it's called Voight-Kampf? Did you did you look up why it's Voight-Kampf? I don't. Did they I just make it up for this, or was it? His glasses are sweet. Yeah, I love how they're like, like actually, like they look like uncut diamonds. Yeah, <laughs> and almost as thick. I mean, I suppose they could be green. <laughs> I love this. Okay, so this this is one thing that I do like about this. How he says it's too bright in here, and he lowers the uh, 
the shade so that light can't get in, which is something later in the film I'll point out. You see out. Like, a lot, yeah. Yeah, it light, there's no privacy in this world. The light is always constantly shining in, flashing in windows. It's almost like there's not allowed shades. It's very interesting. So this Unless is another thing. money. Yeah, exactly. It does. And again, it, 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 it points to the, the difference in uh, their social status of what they're, what they're doing here. The, the idea of creators being above the riffraff below. Now, what I found about the Void Comp test is it was created for this film. It's not a real test. Mm. But it, but what I did find is that it is roughly based off the, like, your Turin test. Mm. So. That makes sense. I don't know why you wouldn't call it the Turin test then, because it's specifically meant to um, find out the difference, in, the, the, you know, whether something AI is uh, human or not, you know. I feel like there's less baggage there, and it's, it's more obvious. Yeah, yeah. I just think it sounds cooler. Say Void Kampf. Yeah. Yeah. It is It is more fun. Well, I don't know. Turin is kind of fun. Do you like the reflection in their eyes? Like, Yeah. I think it's a really neat choice. I, I like it a lot, too. I, I do, I do though. See in the animals as well that are not actual animals. Well, yeah. And they, she mentions earlier, like, do you yeah. like the owl? They ask if it's real. She's like, of course not. Right. I mean, like, I, I guess in the uh, the source material, owls were like the first animal to die off. So oh. I think that's why they make an appearance here. Oh, that makes sense why it said that then. The only thing I don't like about the eyes, though, is that it seems very obvious. Yeah, wouldn't you just be able to tell who a replicant is right yeah. off the bat? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Speaking of the source material, it's by Philip K. Dix. It came out in 1968. It's a book called uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is a f- awesome name. Yep. Yeah, that is awesome. I haven't looked into it, the source material all, all that much to know what how much how true this is, but... It does make sense then why this film doesn't feel like it's it's more about style um, than it is about the the substance because I feel like there's too much substance here. Apparently, um, there was a bit of back and forth between some of the scriptwriters and the author of the book. And originally, he didn't like it, and then he died actually shortly before the book came or the film came out. Uh, but he did get to read like kind of one of the final passes of the <laughs> script, and apparently, he liked it. So mm. uh, apparently, it, it, it turned out well, but I guess initially, it wasn't. It wasn't what he wanted to see. Interesting. I'd imagine that film was even worse than this one. Maybe it was better. <laughs> Shoulder pads. Well, so she doesn't know that she's a replicant. Yeah, which seems. I don't well, see, but they they go out. I mean, he points out that like you know, not every replicant is gonna be put out and not know they're a replicant. It's like it's just to try and test this one out, you know. Yeah. Which I'd imagine that that's regulated in in this world. You know, because I feel like, I mean, just thinking about how it would likely, like how much pushback we have in our modern day world about just with CRISPR, like think about CRISPR. No, no one can do anything with CRISPR right now because of all of the ethical concerns with it. So to be able to make a replicant that doesn't know, I think would probably violate some sort of standard. Or maybe they're just more worried about pollution in the crappy world. They Or people are more worried about, 
you know, getting off planet. So maybe Earth doesn't really matter that much anymore. You can kind of just do whatever you want if you have enough money, I guess. I, I mean, that's an interesting question to bring up, but I wonder if yeah. maybe it's just there's not a lot of regulation because they just don't care. You know, and I wondered too, like, because we just saw the Coca-Cola sign again. Like, it's it's kind of everywhere, but it also feels very much just like a city, you know? It doesn't feel as as oppressive as we're meant to make it we're meant to think you know we see the the like the asian uh advertisement in a few different places but it just feels like what it's like to be downtown in like new york city but it seems to be like a point it seems like they're trying to say something i just don't get it with with this film you know yeah i think i just get caught up in the look of it that i don't really like Maybe I don't like dive too much into it because I just think it looks neat. I like the cityscapes of it. It just it's cool world building, and I'm satisfied enough by that. I think it's but what I feel like it's it's shown so often that I feel like they're trying to say something, but that's why I I don't necessarily understand. It's because it feels like it's trying to say something, but it doesn't say enough to me. And then this is where are they right now? They're oh yeah, they're at the. Um, the hotel room with uh, the dude that shot uh, the first guy giving him the Voight-Kampf, right? Is there anything in the source material, too, that says anything about Edward James Olmos's character making all these little origami things? So I read read a bad thing. Oh, not about the source material. I'm not sure. But I, I read some thoughts online about it. Like, so the first one's a chicken, and it's supposed to be, like, uh, Decker's, like, too chicken to like pursue this and he kind of is cheapish about moving forward which i don't buy very much and then the other one is like a little man like a little matchstick man like it's about to this whole thing's about to blow up on him it's about to become really big you know like a like lighting a match to start off the story so it was some i I assume it's more of a fan theory than anything that ridley scott's ever confirmed but i don't know i i don't know much about it which is odd because uh i think in the uh original cut some of the origami um is taken out so it would mean to me that maybe it wasn't like uh very important to the story because it didn't make the final cut in some versions of this film so i wonder how important it is yeah i think that might might explain like why i have a problem with some of the uh references at the end is is the same reason why they took out some of those origami things. Like they're not, they're not a consistent enough part of, of uh, building up the the symbols or the subtext of any of this. They're like, yeah, we can get rid of a couple of them because we're not actually saying anything. It doesn't actually come across the way we thought it did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This movie has just been out for so long and I, I think it's, there's been so much kind of surrounding it and, like, so it, it wasn't big when it came out because it came out the, I want to say the same month or the same weekend as E.T. did. And so oh. it, it really suffered in the box office. Not a lot of people saw it. And then, you know, there was like controversy between uh, Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott and just more information about the movie came out and it sort of began to build a cult following. And that's when kind of the, the re-releases came out and the new cuts of it. And it's gained more popularity since then. And there's just so many theories about it now because I think it, there is a lot going on in this story and there's parts of it that are like kind of ambiguous, so you could you could definitely come up with some theories for this. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell which ones are intentional and which ones are Ooh, just fans yummy. thinking about this movie too much. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, I think and and so like there, like that whole scene where we were just where they were walking into um, uh, this bio geneticist. I don't remember bioengineer. I don't remember what they're what he's called. Yet. Yeah, so they're trying to figure out what the scale is. 
Yeah, no, not no, not them. Um, oh, okay. This is this is uh, the replicants. But you know, we had that whole we the camera just kind of it, it um, tracked them over as they were walking in, and we're we're just looking at the the cityscape. It's not like a super interesting camera placement. We're just trying to get a scope for everything on the sound stage. I think this is interesting and strange the way everything is set up like here like he's wearing like a, a like a parka i don't really understand it That's I, th- I, I think this movie just has it just has a neat look it has a neat aesthetic yeah i think the way I, I like thinking about it is he's just had to like because they're they're forgotten and they're on which is weird like you know this is like how they're colonizing everything you would think he would be working in a state-of-the-art uh laboratory but he's basically just jerry-rigged everything with like like some hoses to his back right. and like a, a fur coat I love it. That's uh, uh, James Hong, who uh, every time I hear his voice, I can only think of uh, uh, Chifu from Mulan. Yeah. Who, like is the one who's telling all the families that their their parents or, or their, their fathers have to go join the war. Their sons have to go join the war. That's all I can think of when I hear his voice. I know. That was the first thing I thought of like when I saw <laughs> yeah. it. He was like, and he was like, even when he was just speaking in Chinese, like you don't understand. I'm like, wow, I know that voice. Yeah, yeah, Why right. do I know that? It's, it's really iconic. I'm pretty sure he does the grandfather in Jackie Chan Adventures. Oh, probably right. Really? I forgot that that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah Jackie I, Chan had an animated series. How wild is that? Yeah, man. I used show to was watch awesome. them. Yeah. yeah. The show was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, just thinking about like lots of cartoons back in the day like that, like, why was this made? Because <laughs> <laughs> people love Jackie Chan, man. Yeah. I do like the motif of eyes, though. Yeah. They don't really explain uh, the whole part of the of the right eye as well as you would think they do. But, I mean, it's very clear that we've, we've started the film with that, that shot of the eye and the fire in it. So the fact that they went specifically to someone who makes eyes is, is interesting. It, it kind of sets up some of the things that they're trying to say about what it, what it means to be, like, designed and created and, um, and the act of a creator, but... And Rucker Howard's just awesome in this. Like, he's just such a, a character that you just instantly fear, I think. Like, at, at least when I watch this, I'm like, okay, we have our big bad guy here. But he's just so menacing. I love yeah. I love him in this. Even with that hairline and the, the bleach, like, <laughs> hair is sweet, think, dude. You would think they'd make replicants, you know, like, as pretty as possible. But yeah, he's, he has an undesirable that, ha- hairline. Yeah, yeah well, both of them. <laughs> Like especially since they're, I mean, if they're only going to live four years, like they're aging, they're not aging. Mm-hmm. So he would have been designed to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. They, they mm-hmm. literally had to map out his hairline at, at that point. They couldn't just use like a stock one. Like each one of them is different, <laughs> which I think is, which is fun. This is, I think, the first time in the film that the camera has actually sh- shook it all. Well, and the cars are driving on the ground, which is throwing me way off. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that part. I feel like <laughs> this is did? something that got cut. Yeah. Because it adds nothing. 
which is showing him get home. And I guess he was listening to the recording of uh, of the dude getting so shot. That little windshield wiper covers a whole windshield. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys want to hear some of the uh, original titles idea ideas for this? Yeah. So it, the idea was to do uh, do Android's dream of electric sheep. They got rid of that. Then they just called it Android. Uh, and I think one of the reasons they went away from that is because I, I guess in the source material, they are referred to as androids and Ridley Scott wanted to change it to replicants. So then it wouldn't work to have that title anymore. Uh, my favorite one is Mechanismo. I have no idea why they changed from that. That's an amazing title <laughs> yeah. or really, really good name. If you're like a, uh, you want to be like an EDM DJ. <laughs> uh, the other one is Dangerous Days, which, uh, actually became the title for a documentary that came out um, along with the final cut. It was Dangerous States, the making of Blade Runner. And then it changed to Blade Runner. And then um, Ridley Scott was like, never mind, I changed my mind. I don't like that. I want to call it Gotham City, (laughs) which makes no sense. And uh, he talked to Bob Kane, who's the co-creator of Batman. He was like, I'm not going to release, I'm not going to sell you the rights to use it. So. It's so he went back to Blade Runner, which yeah. is a much better name than Gotham City. Yeah, because yeah, then I would expect Batman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would get it would get lost in the Batman universe as, as far as like what people were looking for is, for movies. Yeah. I think what's kind of fascinating about that is uh, Christopher Nolan has said that Blade Runner had a lot of influence on how he made his Dark Knight trilogy, and so it'd be kind of odd if that was called Gotham City. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like I really wanted to make a Batman movie after I saw Gotham City. <laughs> Got him. So I'm confused then. So Blade Runners, they weren't called Blade Runners in the book? I I don't know. I haven't read Because I don't know why you wouldn't immediately be like, oh, yeah, that's the title of my film. It sounds rad. Dangerous Days? Yeah. That's utterly forgettable. Oh, yeah. Blade Runner is, I, I'm glad they settled on this, of the all the options besides Mechanismo. <laughs> Blade Runner is clearly the coolest name. Mechanismo should have been like the name of like the computer voice in his car. He's like, "Hey, Mechanismo, like search this place for me." They should oh, I have. Thought it should, they should have been Nine Thousand. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> How? No, save, that, save that for Kung Fury. Never hassle the hop. <laughs> I, I do. That yesterday too. Oh yeah. Oh, I do love that. And I do like. Here's an, another nice thing they've done. Like they've continued to carry that motif of eyes with the photos too. So there's this, this, this. This, this sense of identity that one has with seeing and memory and how that creates a person. So I, th- I do think, I do like, th- they try to stay consistent as far as like what, what they're showing. He's such an ass. <laughs> I love Harrison Ford, dude. Yeah, he's acting in this, which is just a pleasant surprise compared to what he puts out now. You know, he's actually he does does the only thing he's things he's in now is like, hey, you're a part of this franchise. We need you to be in this movie now. It's like when he does show up, it's just like you can just tell he's just so begrudgingly delivering. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to work anymore. I'm old as fuck. (laughs) I just want to hang out, dude. Well, he was excited about 2049, so there was that. That was one of the ones that he was like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to continue in the Blade Runner tri- uh, franchise. I know that he like, definitely did not want to be in Star Wars. I don't know who would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, like, Mark Hamill was stoked. Yeah, I he think read he read this stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think he loves reveling in, in this idea of this, like, uh, this cult figure, like this celebration of being weird and being kind of quirky. Yeah. Like, that's why he doesn't, uh, I think he, he loves being that type of character and type of person to show like how much fun it is just being someone creating and, and, uh, having fun with fans. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's really the difference there is, uh, that's not really who Harrison Ford is. He doesn't really seem to be like the life of the party. No, which is exactly why I think I'd hang out with him. <laughs> There's a meme of him at like some club behind the bar making drinks. Yeah, no, like, he gets down, dude. Yeah, yeah. He does seem like maybe yeah. he's the life of the party. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he's, he's actually like a really, really nice guy. That's awesome. Him and uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray goes hard, dude. He looks like it. It's funny Every, too. Like some some actors seem like they make movies out of like, yeah, this is who I am. Yeah. Do you know that Bill Murray is an honorary graduate of the University of Regis? Yeah, yeah, I did see. That. He went there for like a year. Yeah. He he was gonna be like pre med, and he went there. That's where I go to school. That's why I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I think honorary degrees are the silliest thing ever. Oh, it's just because they're famous. Yeah. Well, other than like like Carl Sagan, I think was given like fourteen honorary. Um, who the fuck is that? Oh, Carl. We've talked Whoa, about Carl, Carl Sagan. Sagan. We talked about him in our uh, review of um, Interstellar. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, um, oh shoot, Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, but for the seventies, like, oh, but okay. like uh, a significantly like better person too. Like, he's just like, <laughs> yeah, like he's just like a wonderful human being in general, Bill, but also incredibly Bill, smart. Bill. <laughs> See, this is like synth that fits the scene. This is that like neo noir kind of sound that you're talking about, which I think I think works in. This scene as opposed to the other one. I just... Because like you said, the other one's more I uplifting. think it seems kind of silly right here. Yeah, like I, I don't love the tone of a lot of those uh, n- those noir films when they do music like this. It doesn't it doesn't seem the right mode to me. So like my whole thing is... For like, 80s I, sci-fi, this really yeah, works so for me. Every older movie does not have a good score. I there, feel is like. some, <laughs> there are some that are that are decent, I but they're not... I just don't think not. so, man. I think that almost all old movies just kind of suck in general. <laughs> You just gotta see them without their scores, especially. That's why. <laughs> that's why we, you'll love like Andre Tarkovsky because that's not the point. Yeah. Just as long as you stay awake. Do you like scenes like <laughs> this where it has, uh, you know, you have like your ground level. It has some like map paintings in the back. You have like uh, your vehicles composite flying over. Do you guys feel like this movie is dated? I mean, it is dated in a way, but do you get taken out of this seeing those kinds of things? Not necessarily. I just don't find the camera placement to be all that entertaining or engaging. Like, it's just we're showing things as they are. The, there's a way of placing cameras that, that change perspective and say things more um, in, in addition to what you're actually showing on the frame. We, when we talk about 2049, I'll mention some of those things because... There's there's a higher level of uh, auteur quality with those. Like these are just like we got to show all of our characters. We got to show our our action. That's all this is. Like this is a strange. Like all they've okay. done is they've continually yeah. left the camera in the same place, and they're just tilting back and forth, and then redoing the scene again, and with the camera in a different place. So that scene where she breaks through the window, that was an accident. She slips, and when she breaks, that's not like breakaway glass. She actually like fractured parts of her like part of her elbow doing that. She just oh. like slips. Wow. Well, what it take to keep? Yeah, At least right. she kept acting. Yeah, that's uh that's Daryl Hannah, uh, who's playing Pris. 
she, yeah, that was a total accident. Slammed right into it. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and again, like all of the replicas that was a really are really cut <laughs> too. It showed him for like one second and cut back to her. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like they're just cutting when they say things. And that's not necessarily a good way of setting this up. This is again like they've all they all they've done is they've set up this dialogue with two cameras or one camera have her do all of her lines, one camera have him to do all of his lines, and that's all they've done. So they don't have anything else to cut away to. I know I've talked about this before, but I love the way Hereditary does two characters having a conversation together it'll have a pretty wide shot of them and you can see them both actually reacting to each other when they have a two camera setup like this my assumption is that like one take that makes it in may not have been the actual person reacting to what actually happened Mm -hmm. like the other character saying and so it just seems more organic when you have two people you can see on screen at the same time It, it to me it builds like a a more realistic scene than the cutting back and forth because like when I have a conversation with you and I see you talk to Jaden also, it's like, I'm not like constantly like looking between the two of you. I can see both of you in my field of view and it just makes more sense. I, it's a much better looking shot, I think, than the two camera setup. I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah. Like it, it makes sense for editing purposes, um, especially if you wanted to go back and, and cut a couple lines. Um, but I think it also says something about what you, what your vision for that scene was. If you have the whole thing being acted out, um, Within when within a single frame, then you had you had in mind exactly what was going to be said, what you were trying to say with it, and it you're that you're just that much better. You've created a better film and a better, more engaging scene. Um, if that's the case, is again like why I don't think that like this is not really a film that I would call uh, as being made by an auteur because these are just these it, you didn't need someone like Ridley Scott to to work uh, to come up with these shots. Whoever did the cinematography, this is just basic. This is basic stuff. But I do love how we had all of those like flashing lights down into the uh, um, the center of the building, uh, whatever the courtyard area type thing. And again, just reinforcing like how you're being seen and watched. This dude is fucking weird. Right. I think everyone in this movie is weird. Yeah. This too, especially that yeah. bothers me. I do find like that right there. Like when they were sitting, when they were in the foyer, that was one of the most interesting shots in the entire film, other than when they were in the Tyrell corporation. But that's also because of the set design, not necessarily because of where we placed our subjects. <laughs> oh, nice dude. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, like, what were you going to say? So these Arizona seltzers are not good. <laughs> they, just don't, they just don't taste good? They taste like shit. Yeah. They, they, taste they are bad, dude. They so have it's, such a cool can, though. Yeah. See, so, and, and I think this is a scene that isn't in the original cut. It's put in for the director's cut, and then people are like, what is happening? And then they do the final cut, which kind of explains it more. So, I Does it, though? Well, unicorn. there's the unicorn origami at the end of this. Yeah, but that's it. Like explain was a generous word to use. Yeah, they all they did was add another another thing that made sense. I think you're right. Like you're you're talking about stuff that could make this that probably didn't need to make the cut of this. You know, 
that's probably part of it. Do you know the the original like cut was over four hours long? That's very. That sounds like it. I mean, Denis has a, a cut of twenty forty nine. Um, that's over four hours, and he's like, no one will ever watch that. Oh man, I really want to see. Yeah, that. he was like, he, <laughs> he he literally said, I will never show that to anyone. Whoa, man, I want to see that. That's that actually pretty. Crazy. Like that. Like even in my own experience, when I'm making like when I was making like my own short like five minute films. A lot of times you'd have something like you'd have like 10 minutes of footage and maybe you got a, a final cut that was like eight minutes and you're like ah, I can tighten it up more. So that that's a very normal part of the process. Still, for, for the, this being the version that is the closest to like what Ridley Scott wanted this to be, the fact that it could it would have been over twice as long. Yeah, like that's cut, like that seems like cutting an awful lot. Like I could get, you know, I mean, because what Lord of the Rings, those uh, extended editions probably have like 45 minutes added on them. Each one, but it's something around that. It's yeah, like 30, I was about to say, minutes. yeah. Uh, but those are already really long, so it makes sense that they would have stuff you could tack on still. To tack on another, uh, like, two and a half hours to this seems outrageous. Like, what else could you have possibly added? A whole another movie, <laughs> right? Sounds like a lot. So, and I've heard that there are theories that they think that Deckard is uh, a replicant. I think one thing that you can use is maybe a visual clue that he is, is when he was, before, you know, we're analyzing the photo right now, when he was sitting at the, the piano and playing uh, and hitting a couple notes, it was, there were all those photos there. So it's, again, that continued motif is like replicants create memories and identities through photos. Or it's like the... Uh they have these implanted memories and the implanted memory is just associated with the photo. That's what I got from it because uh, Rachel has the implanted memories of Tyrell's niece. And so that's why she thinks she's in this photo of Tyrell's niece. Yeah, that's and that's so what I'm saying. Like, implanted memory. you know, a chicken and egg type thing, right, whether right. they created a memory out of the photo or a photo of a, of a memory, that type of thing. It's the same sort of way. Like they're they're not authentic. Like they're they're just printed like this is what uh, I, the type of life I lived. It's right. an external like memory source almost. So there's a bit of controversy surrounding the uh, is Deckard a, a replicant in 2000. Ridley Scott came out and he said that Deckard is a replicant and Harrison Ford uh, took issue with that. He said uh, we had agreed that he definitely was not a replicant. And <laughs> then uh, Rucker Hauer, who uh, plays Beatty in this, um, he also said in his Batty, Batty whoops, uh, in his biography, um, that he thought it really takes away from like the end of this film where it's sort of this idea of like man versus machine. And if they're two replicants, it totally ruins that. Yeah. So no, I, I, I would be pretty annoyed, you know, coming, coming back, you know, uh, over 20 years later to be like, or, or a little less than 20 years later to come out and kind of change your whole story after people who were involved with the film were assured that that was not the case. I think that's kind of a crappy move. Yeah, like the J.K. Rowling retcon of the entire Harry Potter oh, universe. So, that is so. And yeah, she like did it all through Twitter. That is such an. Yeah, odd like thing. that's yeah. that's where the canon People is. People hate it, her now. Yeah, that it's fairly odd. I love how the canon of Harry Potter really resides on her Twitter feed. Yeah, her money was always a black girl. It's like in the first book, it's like pale skin. Yeah, like, I did read something <laughs> like, about what that. What are you talking about, dude? Yeah, that's why her hair was so curly and frizzy. <laughs> like yeah. that was the whole yeah. like reasoning behind it i think you know i don't have a problem with that like but just like it's very clear by your source material like that's not <laughs> that's <laughs> not what you created yeah. so you're just trying to score points in a way that that's oh, like this weird virtue signaling yeah. yeah yeah like way after the fact like, yeah like i mean the thing is is like why there are so many stories about white people and especially white men is because it's those it's who's in positions of powers in societies in order to, cr to create 
it's not about like it's i think it's just disingenuous to create characters that are not out of yourself those are not my experiences what we need to do is elevate people to tell their stories and their experiences not like tell me my version of what it means to be a black girl like as a white man like that's not that's not a very engaging story right so this portion where they're looking at the scale under the microscope is is supposedly a a marijuana bud is that's what they actually use (laughs) really yeah i wish they kind of like the same thing in in 2049 like the this idea of serial numbers like where where did they go you know it seems like is it in the bones is it in the skin is it in the scales like it's in them it seems to be everywhere but like only in a very specific part so there's only one serial number there you think there would be like some other there must be a a number in every scale because they just found one you know how is that yeah yeah that's that's in that's mind-boggling how they how they were created i guess but if the scale broke, then like, what's the? I, I don't know. I have a I have a large right. problem with that, <laughs> especially at this like at this point in society. I don't think that Calvin. The story has to go along. Okay. I know. I know. I just feel like they could do it like analyzing the biological matter, like rather than a serial number. So we we talked a bit about how this seems like a bunch of different people groups and cultures kind of shoved into one city. Um, I like the sound of this. Seems like something you'd hear like a Middle Eastern like market. But then mm-hmm. earlier you hear, you know, it's like the it has like a Chinese theme to it, you know, when he's like getting his noodles and stuff. So I like the kind of eclectic nature of parts of this score, how it seems to like kind of involve kind of different cultures and stuff, Even, you know, and that captures kind of what's happening on film as well. I, I, I like that aspect of the score. Yeah, I do like this, do like it here. It does feel like kind of like the Muzak you hear in malls, but like the right, Muzak yeah. of uh, <laughs> of what a, a Middle Eastern bazaar would uh, sound like. And I like how they've incorporated, like they they've uh, taken different aspects of different cultures and then moved them up thirty years. So you know you have like the like like the Chinese like uh, rice patty hats, um, and then like you also have like those domes that look like they're from Star Wars. Like those are people's bike helmets. Yeah, yeah. I also read that a lot of the hats you see in this are like wicker baskets they bought from a Pier One Imports or something like that. <laughs> They just threw them on their heads, so. That's awesome. Those freaking long pipes, dude. Why? Yeah, right? F- why is everyone smoking out of those? <laughs> <laughs> You'd imagine some of them would be smoking hookahs, too. It's like It feels like this is the kind of neighborhood yeah, that they're the in. Did you see Luka them. Doncic smoking hookah during his interview? What? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. God, that guy. Yeah, I love Luca. He dude. can play basketball. Yeah, he can. And uh, speaking of Luca, like it's weird to think that maybe the the trade uh, for the Hawks is going to pay off. Like yeah. Trey Young might be. Yeah, that, that, that might like, be the best like trade for both teams in NBA history. Yeah, like I, I think that, that Luca is ultimately going to be a better player because he's more well rounded. But Trey Young is fits better with the the, wait, wait, the current wait. Well, NBA. I think, yeah, I think. I think the Hawks have more of a chance of winning a title than the Mavericks do. I hope someone listens to this recording a couple years from now and like it didn't work out at all. And they're like, comment and be like, these bunch of idiots. (laughs) 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 That was the worst trade in NBA history. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking about like Trey Young has, has like hair. Like what are these idiots on? He doesn't have any. I mean, he barely has it now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a 23. 
Uh, I feel so sorry for him. Whatever, he's making millions of dollars, dude. Yeah, and he gets to play basketball. Yeah. There's this video of him playing like in like some like rec league thing or whatever, and some dude's just talking mad shit to him. <laughs> he's like, "You're not gonna score!" Like, like it's like the last seconds of the game. Like Trey Young just like shoots a three over him, <laughs> and like now that guy's just like everyone hates him. That's You're funny. a fucking idiot, dude. Just don't talk shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's what they thrive on, yeah. or at least they. I mean, maybe not thrive, but at least and then they know that they're playing against something like that yeah. all the time. Yeah, it's just a part of their daily game. How these glasses are supposed to look futuristic? They just like dip them in like play doh or something. <laughs> yeah, they're like frosted, <laughs> <Yeah>. but like <laughs> they look more like plaster. <laughs> and I think this right here, the serpent that once corrupted man, I think this is our first biblical reference in the entire film. I mean, what are we what are we at now? We're uh oh your controller uh, 30, shut 30, off. 33 minutes. We're we're like fifty minutes in. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. my fast. That's yeah, that's what it, we're at fifty two minutes. Um and that's our first biblical reference. It in literally the turned fifty two right when Calvin said that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So that's our first biblical reference in the in the entire film. We're halfway through the movie, and you're tr- you're starting to make this a different um, symbol uh, set of symbols than what you've established already. You already had like this idea of Egyptian gods. Why are you bringing in then biblical references? I don't understand that. I love this what Harrison Ford does here with his voice and stuff. So Sounds so like dweeby and stuff. Like, yeah. like he's like actually like this is your best part of acting. This is your character acting. Like, yeah, like there's there's like a like there's a an alternate universe where like Pee Wee Herman is actually played by Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> I would so I would absolutely watch that. So this is Joanne Cassidy right here playing uh, Zora, and the snake that she has is a Burmese python. It's her pet snake. It's named Darling. Oh, oh my god! Neat. Yeah. She's just grabbing it like that. It also took three hours to bedazzle her. <laughs> <laughs> that seems crazy. That just—I don't know. I—I I, have—I have a hard time believing that. Almost. It took three hours. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff on there, man. I know, but it's just like—it's not like you're—you're you're painting on the latex as much. Like, I feel like you could just. I don't know. But Dazzle technology back then just wasn't where it is at now. Yeah. So much more time consuming. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. The, the technology just hadn't caught up to the, the costume design yet. She doesn't. Three hours just for her to wash it off in the scene. Dude, you're 100% right. These Arizona. They're fucking terrible. Are not <laughs> they had the grapefruit one. I drank all of those last night. I oh, think. boy. That one was not bad, but. Yeah, I made the the wrong choice. They didn't have any blackberry white claws. This so lemon has an oaky afterbirth. It's man. like disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call it afterbirth. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> the can make sure it, yeah. do look cool. Though. Yeah, when you say afterbirth, it makes it sound like it has like a really thick body. Like, <laughs> 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 it's a gooey seltzer. <laughs> I do love this continued reference to there there just aren't animals anymore. Yeah. Like It's weird though that like I didn't understand that at first cuz she was talking about how expensive the fake owl was 
And but here we've established that it actually costs more to own a real animal. Yeah. You know? So I don't understand like I guess the just dynamics all there. Yeah. yeah like, no, that confused me as well. It's just like it's not this world isn't consistently built out in a way that makes it convincing. And I mean that right there. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just like that karate chop. Like, I think it that. It took him like a half a second to react to it. Too. Yeah. But I think, like, within the film, like, that is right there, like, okay. one of the most obvious reasons that he's in replicant. Yeah. So here's the other thing is, like, so she puts on this queer jacket thing, and she's going to go run and try to, like, blend in with a crowd. And she picks the absolute worst outfit on earth to do this <laughs> you're so right yeah i love how she's <laughs> wantonly attacking anyone that yeah. might come in her path too <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting like so so this entire film is all about these really intricate s- set pieces you know there's some of those aerials and stuff but it's all about how many people are here on the set at the same time in these very cool costumes I think right there, that's like that's like what this film is. I'm seeing all the wickerness now, dude. Yeah, you're the yeah. hats. Yeah, wicker hat, wicker hat. <laughs> Looking for the Pier One reference. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's the Natari one. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's just the sound of Connor's flip flops. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do love, like, yeah, you have, like, so many different religions even, like, because, I mean, you have the monks. There was one dude that looked like he was wearing, like, a modern, uh, um, not a habit, but uh, what did the priests wear? I don't know. There's something like that. And this, so, I mean, a Blade Runner just waving a gun around in a crowd. No like, one gives a shit. Yeah, and it's also, like, what are they? Like, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I didn't even think of that. Like, I just thought, like what kind of government agent or something just weighs around uh, a gun in, in public yeah, and nobody cares. Yeah. That's, all. that's also, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like literally no one gives a shit. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just because like everyone down here is just like, it's just assumed that crime is that high and it's yeah. just going to happen. It's, yeah, I don't or know. Or maybe they know like, he's a Blade Runner and like the crime isn't very high. And the only crime that happens is people killing replicants. Yeah. Which would, which, I think would put fear in your heart then because like I'm not a blade runner. Okay, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, or like cuz I mean like just like a blade runner is going to run around and shoot things like There's not even, even any blades. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't you necessarily should be using know, a like, sword like that would uh, honestly that would make So like if you just hear about this title blade runner you would think it's like a dude like like there's this universe where guns are never made but like blades are outlawed in the country so he has to like run blades from Mexico to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or like, I wish they were like through a, like a, uh, a reference to the, the Kessel run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like so, so, she, so he shoots her in that spot. It's there. not there in that shot. All right. All right. Okay. We see it in, in that spot on her, like right shoulder on her back. See, this is like the synth, I think, not working in this scene. No. Yeah. Nothing about this scene works at all to me. I hate this whole part. Yeah, it's very jazzy. It's Yeah, it is. It's like jazzy yeah. synth. It's like, weird. When it's used It shoots earlier, her in the same spot. He shoots yeah. her in the exact same spot. That grouping. 
And there's just so much running through glass in this scene, too. It's so much slow-mo. Yeah. I love how the mullion broke right there. Like, it shattered in half. <laughs> like, like, like tape. Yeah, look at it. It's a streamer. That's what... Oh, my God. I didn't recognize... Oh, my gosh. They put all of their money into the basket hats. So he shot her twice in the same spot. But then you go up to her. It's on, it's on either shoulder. That's where the two bullet wounds are. So that's not where you got shot, lady. Dude. What an egregious continuity error. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone just wears glow sticks around their necks in the future. Oh my gosh, I just noticed that. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Oh, it's almost like her her uh angel. <laughs> this dude, man. He <laughs> <laughs> cracks me up. You know, but to be the... fair, like in 2019, there is a part in the mall that looks exactly like that where you just girls buy raver outfits. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't remember. I mean, maybe not as like neon lights everywhere and stuff like that, but it's like the same outfits. That's funny. But yeah, like that's, that's and that's what I mean. Like there was just such a, a an amazing amount of slow mo there. Is about it was about running down and like killing four like, visors. Oh my god! <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but yeah, we spent so much time on this on this this really violent murder of uh of a replicant. He just dips. Yeah, it's it, later, guy. Yeah, right. That's what I wonder. What what kind of jurisdiction does he have? What what kind of uh, is he above the law? I mean, yeah. Are we not, sad about I this? Even yeah. like to been explained more. Yeah, like I don't even understand if we're supposed to be sad about that. No. Like, why is it so overly violent and no. slow motion? So he's like, but, he's like, is this enough? Like when he buys his bottle of alcohol. Like, what if that's just how you bought things? <laughs> <laughs> he just goes to her like, hey, I have this much money. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, the fucking idiots. Like, twice as much what this is worth. Like, and every time I'd be like, nah, more money. You know, his eyes are green. Edward James almost is. Yeah. Maybe that's... Like, very green. Maybe that's what he forgot. That's just my dog. <laughs> that is not part of the movie <laughs> she's just very excited because Connor's girlfriend walked down here yeah <laughs> she's very excited yeah she is oh my gosh Oh, okay. So it was Rachel. I thought because I was th- I, what I was talking about, like in terms of the the number of uh, replicants he was hunting down, it was the number that escaped from off world and came to Earth. No, that's what I'm saying. It's there, there, so there is, were four. No, there is five. No, there were four. I'm telling you, there's five. no, there's four because the fifth one is Rachel. That's what he just said. Because he's only killed one of them. Yeah, but earlier in the film, they say that five left the planet. But he just said there's only four more to go. Because they've already gotten rid of... One. They only got rid of one. Because you still have Daryl Hannah. You still have Rucker Howard. You still have um, the the dude with the mustache. There's three. And then the fourth one is Rachel. It's tough to know because in this cut, they got rid of it, of that line, that continuity error. So, so I don't know how much of that was edited out for this version. Right. I just know that... My point is just in the original one, it's a... They, it's a it's, the count is off and they had they fixed it in this version. Yeah. Again, like this this fight here with Leon, like 
I mean, he it, it said that he can pick up like 400 pound like loads all day. Like, if if Deckard is not a replicant, he should be getting torn through. Yeah, right? he's absolutely pulverized. I mean, even if he is a replicant, yeah, right. This is Brian James playing Leon. I think, dude, he's got the crazy eyes. He's great in this. Oh yeah, he is. There's some kind of there, there's a little bit of offness to all the replicants that makes them like I think kind of really fascinating when you just like kind of watch them like <laughs> that's a great line <laughs> but they're not like off in the same way it's like there's just something about each of them like a little quirk that makes them each interesting in their own way and yeah, yeah. he's got he's got the crazy going on yeah I wish that was more like that. Like, just make a regular person. Like, for the other ones, it's like, uh, like how they were designed, which I find, which I find strange. Like, uh, corporations that mass producing these things wouldn't make them like that. You know, they would make them all the exact same. Which is like why in twenty forty nine, Dave Bautista's uh, one all there's another one in like preserved in a tank because that's his model. That's right, exactly right. what it would look like. And he's just bald, so. <laughs> Yeah, but these are yeah, these are sixes, Nexus sixes, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh what is this? Is it Spinner? Sapper. Sapper? Yeah, Sapper is in a Nexus eight. No, he was in Nexus six too. That's why he was retired. Nexus eights were the ones um with uh like Ryan Gosling and Love. Uh those were Nexus eights. Uh, so K and Love, I mean. I don't know. IMDb says he's a Nexus 8. And I think that what Love and KR are, are models after the 8s. Because uh, 7s and 6s come after the blackout. Yeah. And, and I that's think, why... Yeah, they, they're, they're still hunted because, you know, they're still, like, aren't, I guess, uh, like, functioning the way that they want replicants to act. But they... Mm. they but Sapper is a... He is a model after what uh, you see in this film. So he's a 7? I don't think he's an eight. It, right? says, yeah, it says he's an eight, and I think it says he's an eight in the film. I don't know. We'll okay. we'll cross reference this with our uh, our review of uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. <laughs> okay, and this now we get to um, probably like the strangest part of the whole film, honestly. So Rachel's here. vision of of something yeah you know, like I it's a sweet gun holster he's got yeah. he did movies when people put guns in the front of their pants <laughs> that is weird this reminds me of eight mile i'm like that's the only movie that does that right their <laughs> penis <laughs> so this is leading this is one of our least favorite scenes right this is uh almost ruins the whole movie for me <laughs> yeah it's Unfortunately, like it's, it's a very old um, device for as far as film goes. Um, oh, I do love the eyes there. They do remind you exactly like like an animal. Yeah, you know, like yeah. in the night, like almost like stalking their mm-hmm. prey, which is funny because that's not what this scene is about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like the the male idea of uh, uh, seduction for a man. It, in film like is is very 
very generally overt and I have to be the men. Yeah, and well, and forceful. Like like women want to be told what what they want and what to do, and I'm going to tell them exactly what is. So it's not something new on film. It's, it's, it's just an unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> it, it's weird too because it's also it's kind of taking advantage of a character who she doesn't really know who she is. Like she doesn't even know she's a replicant. It's it's taking advantage of, you know, this kind of innocence. I think in a way. Yeah. It's really odd choice. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> I yeah. don't like it at all. It makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, and we don't understand like like Sam Deckard is not a very good character just in general. So like, I don't see, know what his motivations see, he has are. The reflection here. This is like one of the hints oh, that he? he might be a uh, a replicant. I did not see that reflection. It's weird how it comes up sometimes and then other times it doesn't. You know. Yep. But again, I, it just it's an odd convention well, in this movie to have that void comp test if yeah just look at their yeah. eyes just yeah. have a camera that looks at eyes i guess which is weird because that's a part of the test so yeah that's that literally like, you, like yeah you can see that it'd be different if they were like oh we have a problem with everyone getting eye modifications so or like genetically enhancing their eyes and like that's just a characteristic uh, characteristic of it as well that would make sense like that would be she literally calls him a policeman okay so i don't understand what is a yeah. blade runner i, I think yeah <laughs> Bay blades it's the only weapon he should use I do like again like here like all of the light coming in like yeah. being seen but you have this weird score that's what I'm saying the sound design here is very bad yeah stop dressing like that I like it I love her silhouette it's like kind of gives her this kind of inhuman look yeah which is what that she makes is. sense I, yeah. I love her silhouette yeah, and like literally, like the the projection of uh, femininity, you know, like mm-hmm. this is my my concept of what um, my ideal feminine qualities would look like. Right. But again, and so these they hear all of the photos that I was referring to. These are all of Deckard's memories. These are what make him a more full fledged um, seeming replicant because he has more photos, more memories. That's kind of what I see as far as a as a design choice going with that. Yeah, no, I get it. Either that or he's a human. She's comparing the difference, like how few photos she, she has, has yeah. to what a real human has. Yeah. A real human has memories and experiences, and, yeah. and there's a lot more of them. That's kind of why I like sort of the ambiguity surrounding Decker. It, I, I like this better if Ridley Scott doesn't come out and say that he's a replicant. I think it's more fun if if you don't, and... Uh, one thing in 2049, it's brought up, he's like, are you a replicant or maybe something else? Or maybe you were designed that way or maybe you were born this way. And so I think kind of 2049 kind of uh, gets rid of that, what Ridley Scott said, because it kind of then returns Decker to being like, ambi- it's ambiguous, like what his real identity is. So I thought he was just referring to like God in that aspect. That's eh. Jared Leto was. But I that's think, a different movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why like the... The, there there are some ideas here about what it means to like what it means to be human and whether human is different than ai is because that's the thing is like if there are created if we're created there is a creator what is really the difference is there such a yeah. hierarchy or can can something that's created then create something that would be on the same level as something that's created that's that kind of it's a weird way of thinking about it and the movie kind of pokes at it but it doesn't give you enough that you can build like a fuller idea on it her hair looks so much better down oh it's so cool mm-hmm. it's it's and i i think again like this is more of a 
it's the difference between like I don't know. Like her hair up is one thing, but it's more business. Yeah. Whereas this is more uh, sexual lure, which is why he's coming over right now. So weird. (laughs) Letting down my hair. And yeah, this... Hmm. But I do like that idea. If she has memories that are human memories, what stops her from essentially not being human you know yeah i I mean it i think it's tackled well enough in this but i guess it's kind of it kind of sucks that the solution to them not being quite human is to retire them instead of trying to figure out a different way to maybe absorb them into your culture your society or or they could be something other than slave labor but i guess that defeats the whole point of having the replicants the whole point is that they are you know it's, it's society is built on the back of a exploiting some kind of workforce and so if they can't do that if they assimilate them then they can't exploit them anymore so yeah and it's also like there's there's like so creepy it's so creepy man like this part is is so bad none of this setup makes any sense like why is he mad because she's not having sex with him and he just grabs her. It's because Harrison Ford is mad at Ridley Scott and he's acting that out in this scene. Yeah, he's like, why am I doing this? This is so awful. Everything about this is so bad. And it's like you can hear the blinds coming through. Yeah. But this, but the music well, the is The most like, awkward kiss of all time. Yeah. Just staring at her. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, you know you want it. And it's like, it's the music is super sensual. You've got Kenny G going like... <laughs> like it's, this is odd. This is so bad. It makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, now you kiss me. Like, it's exp- like it's, it's like he's explaining... Say kiss me. Yeah. It's like he's explaining how to be human, but he's also not explaining that this is actually how to rape human. Like, <laughs> yeah. right, it's like, like, he's not really acting like a person either. No. So. Oh, Everything yeah. here is so awkward and forced and just weird. Yeah, man. he is a bad kisser as well. This must be his <laughs> first time with a replicant. <laughs> that sounds like... So weird. It's, it's so weird. Holding back tears. Yeah. Like nothing... Yeah. It's, Put that, your hands on me. It sounds like the a, least honest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it sounds like a cry for help. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> it's awful. It's so bad. And he's like holding her. It's not passion. No. It's uh. Yeah, there you go. You got the Pan Am uh, thing in the background again. Yeah, same. But this is again. This is another shot. Like the, we've seen this exact shot early in the film, but we were tracking forward. Whereas now we're we're um we're dollowing forward, and this time we're we're moving back. Like it's just it's just being reused, which is kind of lazy. Like there's there's lots here to explore. Why give us the same exact shot? Yeah. That when it doesn't actually mean anything symbolically. This film kind so of really weird. limits its way of telling the story because of its kind of more like, unicorns. Well, it, it's like lack of yeah. travel, kind of really. And I understand you can have a you can have a story that takes place in the, a small area or one town, or but it, I feel like this would kind of lend itself to kind of let me do detective work in this part of the city that has a different look to it. Let me investigate over here, and this is like a different uh, maybe a, a society or culture in it, so it has a different look and feel to it. I think this. The story and the look of this film is limited by its lack of movement. You know, it's like lack of travel. Yeah. And it's like everything is meant to look homogenized. But at the same time, we've also taken different uh, like racial or cultural stereotypes and made them like 
like the bazaar, like the bar, like all of those types of things are meant to be different, but within the same homogeneity. I think they still, yeah, but they're not different enough, you know. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my issue. Like, I don't see, there's not a huge difference between like the bazaar and then the place he's getting noodles at. It's just very hustly bustly. You know, yeah. hustly it, bustly. It, 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 they all have the same feel to me. You know? Yeah, and, I and, wish and they all work together to kind of uh, string along this like aesthetic through the film. So I think it works in that way. But homogenized is a good way to put it. Everything just looks and feels kind of the same. Yeah, I think the but, style is cool. It, I just think it needs to explore different looks that still fit into the into the continuity of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love I love the the slight dis dis you know. The, the pupils being like a slightly different reflection. I think that's so cool. Fucking weird, man. And I wish they like expanded on, on JF Sebastian a I little don't. bit more. Just on this idea, another, this, here's another creator and a different kind of creator, but they just kind of, he's not very deep. No, they, he's just like, hey, we need a weird guy in this movie. Let's put a weird guy in this movie. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I feel like. like. And then it's just like the atmosphere doesn't seem natural. It just seems like, doesn't seem organic. Like mm-hmm. this, this is fucking off-putting. Mm-hmm. His character, not so much. I do like his character, <clears throat> just like his environment that he places himself in. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Also, very weird. They, no one in this movie knows how to kiss. <laughs> All yeah, <the> knows <laughs> that, and that, but that makes more sense to me because they're, they're both two, they're both replicants. Yeah. They're literally like both like two years old, like making making you know puppy love. Dog, puppy love puppy dog eyes at each other because they don't understand what's going on i kind of like that understanding of it because like i'd imagine that replicants aren't given that that type of emotional range right because it's not they they can't breed it's not it doesn't serve any purpose so the fact that they have it is is weird and interesting yeah yeah you're right there'd be no reason to put memories in them that would lead them to figure out like what love is or how unless to have they're a pleasure model which they do but, right yeah, yeah. But, but neither one of these but are. these ones were like a like working they they were like yeah. laborers yeah one was a and, combat and a, and a combat yeah. one so there would be no i guess yeah how high his pants are the ability to have like a romantic relationship probably wouldn't be like a high priority to implant memory yeah it would make no sense that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so i guess they're implying that those get developed because they've gone off the tr- the the rails of their programming so much so that they're actually developing like romantic connections but yeah I don't know. It's just like they they act in too many different ways that just aren't supported by what we're seeing by like the the world that's created. Well, I think that's that's kind of the point is they're designed to be one way and they've expanded beyond that and that's yeah, why that's that's why having these replicants live any longer, you know, that's why they're given that lifespan and that's why they're they're given kind of a limited amount of uh, of the memories they have is so they don't develop beyond what uh the what Terrell wants them to be. Or what society needs them to be, you know, like but their AI is pushing them beyond that. Yeah, right. I suppose yeah. that makes sense. Like they, there, there would be a wide range. Like if if four years is the hard limit, you'd imagine though, like 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 an expiration date on food. Like we're so far past the point. Uh, um, we've given you a date that's so far away from the actual time it spoils that we're fine, we're covered. So the fact that it's four years and they're developing all of these types of emotions now means that it really should be like two years. Yeah. Right. But that so that's and that's what what I mean. But like I do I do see what you're saying. Like um they've just there's such a wide range of possibility then because their AI programming is so wild. Yeah.
See, this is just, this is fucking weird. It's, it's weird, but it's not weird enough. I don't like where the camera is placed right here because it's not very subjective. It's just, let's just show two people standing here right now. Yeah. That's what I don't like about it. That's what I think that holds this film back. It could be a lot better in that sense. But again, see, we've just kept the camera here and she's done all of those yeah. things. So maybe if the camera work was different, I'd feel more... Like maybe this is more natural. Yeah, we'd get a lot more sense. Like think about the fountain. Like Darren Aronofsky uses so many different ways of moving the camera to tell the same thing. Like he tells tells stories with the camera movement itself, which is not what's happening here. No. The camera's secondary to everything else going on. Yeah, we just want to get as much as we can in the frame. And sometimes we're just focusing on the characters. It's just not... He just and doesn't have Sebastian a great eye for it. in the foreground of that shot too, and he's yeah. like, he's like cropped in this frame, so weird. <laughs> yeah. like, I think that in that in that case, it really because it really wasn't the the point of of Sebastian. It's all sp- meant to be in the perspective of uh, Roy Roy Batty, um, and that's why JF Sebastian was out of focus. But yeah, it's really just that's why JF it's weird Sebastian. He's in the that just don't have him in the frame. Then if he's not. The point of view you want. I, I just think it's... Uh, yeah, it, I agree with that. Like, zoom in more. Yeah. Well, they're doing the same thing here. Yeah, it's just... It's too... Like, the way that they do conversations in a lot of movies is just very funky. I could the way that they do it in Hereditary where they take a step back where you can actually see their body language. Yeah. A- after seeing that movie, I I hate two-camera setup. Yeah. I, I, I do not find it to be enjoyable to watch. And I think, like Calvin had said, it feels so much more organic. And it's it feels like... These, <laughs> these two actors have really planned out this scene and like the directors like they've really they're going to hit all these beats at the right point yep. you're going to deliver the dialogue you're going to mode at a certain point and in this it's like you can just edit together and cobble together a scene because you have so many takes yes. and you had multiple cameras c- capturing all that so you can just edit it together and it's no big deal it feels just like there's so much less going on in that kind of scene than there is when you can see the two people or three in this case in, in the frame together yeah. and I think yeah. that you can you can make it that was that, that mise-en-scene just telling the story with what's in the frame. Yeah. Instead of stop cutting back and forth, just have them, have them carry out this dialogue in this part portion of the narrative, you know, together. Yeah. The cutting back and forth is so it's always disjointed to me. After seeing that film, I'm like, oh, I hate it. I hate I hate two camera setups. And so that's that. This is this is split in um in higher film theory about what makes a good film. It's the idea of formalism versus realism. Realism is showing things as they are, taking the setting the camera up and allowing things within the frame to do what they're doing. We're not interacting. We're trying to live as you know, we're trying to be as obscure as in terms of perspective. We're trying to stay as far out of the action as possible. Whereas formalism is how can we take advantage of what the camera can do to say what we're doing, which is what a two uh, camera setup is doing. We're going to set it up in these ways so we can tell exactly what we want by using, by utilizing what the camera does. And I, I prefer films like, um, like Andre Tarkovsky, who is much more on the realism side. He just wants to sit back. He wants to be on the other side of a hill, watching someone walk across a valley and that like that kind of uh, extreme realize, realism because when you can make something engaging like that it just shows that you understand the material that much better like you right. understand how you're coming across in such a way that formalism doesn't convey i think another good example of that is uh lighthouse like all the scenes that they have at the dinner table and it's mm. just it's just them two in the frame and you just get this great interaction between these two characters 
That would be so jarring if it's just swapping back and forth. Yeah. yeah. They do do that in some cases, but it's more about like there are longer takes on those individuals when they do talk. They're not cutting back each line like we do a lot of times with, with um, uh, a formalistic style like this. I do like that, like that suggestion about the checkmate being here, that it's really actually um, Roy telling him the moves. Yeah. Because he's a combat dude. Oh, yeah. That is another smart layer. Yep. I don't understand why they were just waiting in the yeah, elevator. Yeah, the elevator stopped. I don't get that at all. So, Or why they were in there in the first place. So that's when they decided to call him. Yeah. That's very strange. I also jacket he's wearing what is going on right i also don't understand like why we're just in his bedroom yeah like that's just what the elevator opens up onto yeah <laughs> it's his bedroom my 1400 candles <laughs> so that's actually <laughs> one of the things i kind of like about this movie um i like first of all there's all this really cool like analog technology they yeah they didn't i know this is in 2019 but the, it's still a lot of the technology in this looks kind of like something that existed when they filmed it yeah and they don't really try to ramp that up but then you have like this really cool like you know why would you still need candles but they're not candles i think it's it's actually oh they are okay i thought they were fake candles i think it's the the opulence you know we've talked so much about like i mean it's more in 2049 like talking about like real wood i think the like the uh, luxuries of the old world are so desirable. You yeah, know? they're desirable yeah. because they're also hard to make anymore because we've exhausted all of the resources. So that's kind of what I think about there. It's like like the idea of like um, like a king's court. Like, yeah, hearkening back to a, a simpler time or like when these materials were more available and the only people who can get them are, 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 the, are the super wealthy. So I like the idea of like keeping kind of this older look to especially him. Like it seems like, like you said, the opulence of yeah, it. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes mm-hmm. like, I, I like the look of that. Yeah. And that they didn't go like hardcore. Like I understand there's limitations for the technology they had while filming this. So they couldn't like put up all kinds of holographic screens and, uh, you know, they didn't go buck wild with like the going too far as far as the technology is, you know. I like the look of it. Like especially all the analog stuff. I think it's so cool. Yeah. Like the zoom ins. It's like, it's not like, it's not like a fancy fun zoom in. It's just like, it's like frame by frame, just slowly clicking forward. Just all that kind of stuff. I I think that adds to the look of this. Yeah. And so then here we have like this, this, uh, conflict between Tyrell and Roy where he's asking for more life. This is like, we're going in a completely different direction than I think what we've been talking about the whole time in terms of symbols and themes. Like it's, it's. You know, up, up to this point, it's all been talking about um, identity and who is and who isn't human. And now we're trying to talk about like um, creator and created. Like it's it's a little bit different now. We're going in a different direction that doesn't feel substantiated by everything else. And again, prodigal son. So here's our second biblical reference. And I don't think it's I don't really think it's warranted. Ew. He's so sweaty. So he touches sweaty. his head. Revel in your time. <laughs> so weird. 
so um why why do they do this originally tyrell was going to be a replicant in this scene and the original dr tyrell had passed away four years earlier but to sort of uh sort of like keep a continuity of uh like leadership for the company they had a replicant take his place and uh uh, Roy was going to find out like right here that he was a replicant and then find out that the actual body was kept in like this Egyptian sarcophagus, oh, which again right. would have kind of added to like kind of that whole like, it, like him as like a god is like one of the pharaoh, like a, it, this yeah. like, higher being. Yeah. Know, how the god creator. king. Yeah. yeah. How, how then every new pharaoh is the god king of right. Egypt and it just passes that mantle on. Uh, I think that makes more sense. Yeah, it would have actually been. Really yeah. Cool. It would have been really good. Uh, yeah. Especially we were talking about earlier. There's like all this imagery when, uh, uh, Decker's doing that. Uh, this I don't understand what's going on here. Oh yeah, like this. This shot makes no sense. Him going down. I'm guessing this is the elevator. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. He chase, chases JF Sebastian down, and it's implied he kills him. And then he just why? Did, why did we show that scene? That needs to be cut. It doesn't make any sense. It adds nothing. It just it, it blows my mind. But yeah, so like we were talking about with the. I think again there it. It says more than like like you have someone set up who is a replicant, and it's another level of creator created because it's also how do you build identity um, in replicants? This is the same as humans. Like if we just if they look like human, they talk like they're human. No one can tell the difference. Then it wouldn't that make them human? Yeah, it gives more depth to that concept of like well, when does a replicant stop being a replicant and they're human? Well, if you have a replicant of Dr. Terrell who's like running this company for all intents and purposes being Dr. Terrell, well, how is he not, you know, essentially human at that point? It would have given more depth to this story, I think, if they kept that. For whatever reason, right before they started filming, like the whole movie, not like that scene especially, that's when they scrapped it. But I guess it was storyboarded. It was fully planned that that was going to be a, a scene in the movie. And then they got rid of it. And I think that totally takes away. I think that would have been a great scene. That's absolutely why I think the, uh, why Philip K. Dick liked the original script then. Because that makes more sense. Because then you have the idea of uh, of uh, of your god um, being created, yeah, and that makes so much more sense with everything else that's going on here. Of why there's a possibility that replicants can be more. Really, it's just like replicants wanting to be something, but oh yeah, we can't really do that. We, we've just made you that way, and you're expendable. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that takes away from this movie a lot by not keeping it kind of the way it was originally scripted. These look like a... What are those little creatures on Tatooine? That's exactly what I was thinking. I was just like, Jawas. oh, man, Jawas. Jawas. Oh, Mando just caused chips scrapped. <laughs> Ooh, daddy. That's the same thing I got when uh, <laughs> the guy's like squishing his eyeballs in. And I'm like, and then I crushed her face like this. Oh, God. <laughs> the mountain. Like, that oh, is, yeah. That's like the most horrifying scene I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I, uh, I like... I. I I think I like paused and like left for a minute. I'm usually not grossed out, but uh, that that sc screen that Pedro Pascal has, I was like ho horrified by yeah. it. That is a incredibly gruesome scene, which is crazy because the same thing just happened here. And I agree, like there was so much the build up to it was so much different in Game of Thrones. the The shrieking was so much different in Game of Thrones. There was, uh, it's it's unbelievable how well that was done, yeah. even though it was literally the exact same thing. Yeah. And we talked through that whole thing. We talked about how a different version of that scene would have been so much better. <laughs> yeah. Because that's so, like, it's it's really forgettable. Like, that That should have been a really pivotal point. And I think if you're not being too critical of this movie, it probably is a pretty pivotal point 
But I just, I think it could have been better. Yeah, and, and if he was a replicant, then you literally have killed God. You've displaced God. And we already know that. You've said that God can be displaced by a replicant, by right. having by yeah. remaking Tyrell. So if then you kill the next replicant, then you have taken the next God-King mantle. Yeah. That says so much more. At least consistent with what we've already established for the world building. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. For all the stuff that they kept in this you could have removed that and then just make that scene like a minute or two longer where he, he, he realizes that it was a replicant. Like, ah, that that makes this movie so much better. Yeah, absolutely. I wish there was another, uh, maybe just one more cut one more, there. One more. <laughs> <laughs> the, the final, final cut. I, I'm final serious cut. this time, guys. I'm serious. <laughs> this is the final cut. <laughs> that should be the title of it. For real, we're done after this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay and now we get to honest to god the weirdest part of the whole movie I, this whole thing goes on so he's he's go he's going to find jay of sebastian now in his apartment in his building i mean what are we at right now i feel like we still have like 30 minutes left in this film yeah, so, we're yeah. like 20 minutes yeah yeah we have yeah, 26 yeah so probably 20 minutes left uh without credits I but, think this scene goes on forever. Yeah, it does. Forever. Ah, and nothing. It's it's not even like it's filled with a lot of things. I mean, they try and throw a lot more of the biblical references here, but it's not like it's not fulfilling. See, this is not a very very stylish camera setup. And again, look, this is they shot this the same day that when uh, they shot the scene with Jay of Sebastian. One that you liked, yeah. Yeah, they and it's just lazy. They left the camera in the same place. They're so like, okay, now Harrison, it's your turn. It's your shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's just I I don't like things like that because it's it just it's not represented enough. You're not creating enough perspective about your film. Like it's not. Like, show me something different. Like, it's not like they're reusing that shot to say something. They're just doing it for the convention of not having to set up another camera and light again. This is interesting. I do like all of these these dolls, though, and all it, of this. It certainly sets the scene. It's a really creepy scene. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, again, it's like you said, it's, it's long and it feels like it's in the service of nothing. So, Yeah, like, it feels like it's going to say something, but the film starts going in, in a different direction. <laughs> oh, what do, you, what do you know? There needs to be a kill count episode of yeah. this where how many times Harrison Ford died. Could have died. So the gymnast they used in this, uh, apparently they had a, uh, a woman gymnast that they had rehearsed the scenes with like ad nauseum. And she, when it finally came time to shoot, she was like so nervous and she like couldn't go through with it because like she was like had done it so many times. And so they end up finding uh, like a male gymnast like during like the lunch break who <laughs> came in and shot the scene. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. That's so good. That's so confusing. Okay, this right here too. Like I Why? Yeah. Why is any of this happening? What a shot too. Yeah, I don't get it. It's any just of like this, a dude. strobe out of nowhere, like Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously we have all of the lights shining in, but like 
I wish they kept the same pace that they always had. Like, why Why is it going like this? This is, yeah, this is insane. Again, this isn't saying anything more. It's just a weird, like, why did she decide to run down, like, maybe bloodlust? Is she just crazy? Like, it didn't, it was in, again, like you were saying, in the service of nothing. Yeah. It's just weird to be weird, man. Yeah. And you think also, they'd be like, so concerned yeah. about their own self-survival, their, their survival, like preoccupied with that they would just absolutely kill him immediately it wouldn't be nothing stylish you're just like i'm so much stronger than you i'm just gonna rip out your heart rip off his nose she literally had his fingers yeah. right up yeah <laughs> that yeah. is su- that is such a weird again that's this scene i think like jade said just weird for the sake of being weird and you know that's fine but it's just it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah she's out of place i think compared to the other replicants that come back yeah and honestly like even with with roy like I, I think he's weird and crazy and stuff, but again, like, he's the same as she is, like, in this scene. Like, just randomly doing things, running around and screaming, and... Yeah. I, like, is this all just to teach Harrison Ford a lesson? Like, what the fuck is the point of your existence at this point? Yeah. Yeah. This is another bit that just feels like it goes on and on and on. Where did the sand come from on his knuckles? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's... Why is her tongue out? Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's like, let me just push that back in for you. He... <laughs> <laughs> like, keep it in your mouth, darling. I feel like we're bashing this movie a lot. I don't. I. I, I don't like, hate this. I feel movie. like I fondly remembered this, and now that I'm watching it again, and and I'm not saying this needs to be at a breakneck pace, but like, Blade Runner 2049 is almost an hour longer than this, and it feels much shorter than this film. To me, I mean, there's just so much to look at, and there's so much going on in that movie. This one is just. It just feels like every scene could have had a, a minute or two cut out of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like so. Again, like comparing to something like Tarkovsky, like the point is is to live in the space. It's meant to be slow. This is something else, you know? It's trying to build tension, but it tries to build tension for so long that it's not believable anymore. We don't we don't get to in, we don't experience it the same way. What the fuck is like why is he doing this? And I'm all for a director having a vision and trying to translate this script how they want to. I just, I just don't love the translation of this. It's just, it's like you said, yeah. It just, it takes too long to get to the tension point. That now I've already like, I've, I've lost interest in what's going on in a way. Yeah. You know, it's like he. I do like his acting here. I think is good. Yeah, it's very, it's very fun. Oh, yeah. and very, yeah. very weird and interesting. Mm-hmm. I just Ford, like, however, is just like walking around, stumbling, yeah. being. No, Rucker Howard's the easily the best part of this film. Yeah, yeah, like easily. And then he goes back to her, which also does. The, you were just there, man. He just pushed her tongue back in her mouth. This, like, this needs to be cut. Yeah. Again, like because this was the same shot, and they just decided to to. Uh, now it's added to this it. other yep. scene that makes no sense. He was just chasing after Harrison Ford in another part of the house. Well, but he said he was going to give Harrison Ford a head start. Hey, but maybe been... that's why that's why he had sand on his knuckles earlier because he punched through the wall. He just hadn't seen it yet. Right. Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, continuity error. 
Oh, but he's, I, uh, I he's been spending some been... time in the bathroom with some drug dealers. That's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but I think this would have been cooler if you see Harrison Ford running away and then you hear Roy counting down and his countdown gets more distant as he's running away. Like that makes yeah. this whole like tension of him running away. That makes for a more exciting scene, I think. With zero music too. Yeah. And that would be a way of you can elongate your scene without it being boring, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's significantly more Oof. terrifying. Again, this is why like all of eighty of the 80s film, this is the aesthetic with this idea of like pure formalism and why I hate all of it is because it's not, it's, it's melodramatic because they don't understand how to shoot things correctly, how to shoot things in with, with camera placement and camera angles that are more, that are more subjective. They're just trying to get everything in the frame. Well, yeah, cause they've been working and they've been making profits off the movies that they have been making with these kind of shots. Like, Hey, that formula worked. They made money. Let's use that again. Yeah. Like that's the one thing like, like Spielberg probably is one of the ones I, I can think of that probably defined that style very early on it's why the tent pole is like where did his clothes go why Why? is he he not dressed now you know i love i love that he's just kind of running around because it's kind of crazy yeah we don't we don't need to see it multiple times though like okay we got the one that's crazy and like i don't know why he's climbing out of this right now it's very strange he could have just gone out the front door none of this makes any sense i would like to know how the pace of this compares to alien because that's another ridley scott yeah you know science fiction you know Everyone yeah. loves that. So I wonder if never seen them. I wonder if I went back and watched it, if I'd be like, "Wow, this is really boring." No, I think I think Alien would work because that is the point. The point is the whole film is meant to be this long slog of um, very uncomfortable. We don't know what's around the corner. That's not what this is. This this is a, just a random scene that they decided like because Alien came out before this, right? Yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, so I think they like okay, Ridley Scott knows how to do this, and like let's. Yeah, and I, then he decided like, ah, I'm gonna keep doing this type of thing and adds it in here. And I think you're right. Sense. Like that. Would Why fit. is there a fucking mannequin on the floor in the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> Cause Why? Because it's creepy house, man. <laughs> but I think you're probably right. That that kind of slow, like kind of methodical approach to the scenes would probably fit the tone of Alien better than this. Mm-hmm. And then here you go. And then here's another biblical reference that's just. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So well, he's why a, is he doing that? I don't get any of this at all. So now he's it's the uh, it's martyrdom. Um, he's piercing his hand like Jesus was, but he's not a martyr. It's just a it's just another symbol that adds to the the biblical. Like all he's done is like I guess he's meant to show that he's relieving pressure in the joints because his hand is clenching, and so he stabbed himself. <laughs> That's so creepy. <laughs> it is so creepy. <laughs> oh my gosh! What is it? That sounds. That feels like a Doritos commercial. Like where's someone like? <laughs> It's not like where someone like someone opens a bag and then someone his buddy's yeah, roommate's head yeah. busts through. The thing. Yeah, I smelled nacho cheese. <laughs> that's, that's a commercial. Like yeah. I just feel like that sound that feels like a Doritos commercial. Where's the cool ranch? <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. Yeah, but, but so so there we have like another biblical reference. You know, like I just wish that there was like one character. Like take Roy Batty, take Rucker uh, Howard's character, and make him talk in biblical parad parables like throughout the film then you've established that that's kind of like the point you're leading towards something 
Whereas like here, it's just like, let's throw another biblical something at this because we want faux depth to our film. And he's howling because he's, I don't know. <laughs> More Doritos. <laughs> you didn't lick the dust off your fingers. <laughs> I like that line right there. That was irrational of you. Because again, like if he is a replicant, he's moved so far beyond being a replicant. I mean, Sam Deckard. Right, right. Being so far beyond it that he's acting like a human and humans act irrationally. But just fun, fun little thing right there. He's just watching him struggle. (laughs) Feel the rain for a moment and then duck back in so a lot of this all this climbing and all the scenes that take place here were with harrison ford's uh stunt double and uh ridley scott's like well he's like wet in this scene so they just like drenched the stunt double in water before he did this and he's wearing like the same jacket and so i guess like the stunt double is like trying his best to like do all these things but like he's weighed down by this like just water soaked jacket (laughs) (laughs) I guess the there's this like jump. Do we do we miss it? Maybe I didn't. No, it's about to happen. Yeah, this oh. jump that takes place. He like almost misses it. I I guess he hurt himself pretty bad doing it because he's like this jacket weighs a ton. Like it's just because, and and I get it. Like you want to keep some continuity, but like it it changed your stunt then, or like maybe lightly spritz the jacket. Yeah, you know you don't yeah. need to have it soaking wet. So yeah, I guess the the stunt double like got hurt pretty bad. That's crazy. Well, and then there again, we have Rucker Howard running through the hallway, like, why? <laughs> Naked. Like, it's just like, it. it's not not really adding anything. No, why did he take off his clothes? <laughs> I still don't understand things that are happening. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like, okay with that, but, because he's like, just going crazy. It's just but weird, it's like crazy weird weirdness for, for no yeah, reason. Yeah, it's crazy. He's going crazy for craziness sake. I, I wonder if maybe it's supposed to establish that he's getting close to like, his four years and so he's starting to deteriorate and so that's why maybe that's kind of why they're all acting crazy yeah this jump yeah he's oh yeah slams. that's like, like jesus you know but honestly like the scene is just so aw- everything that harrison ford just did there was so awkward yeah but yeah like pull yourself up pull like i know work, like work on getting up on the building <laughs> but yeah like like the jacket has continuity i mean like there are so many things in film like like generally pool balls are painted are painted tennis balls. Yeah. So that they don't make sound. So right. make it's, a jacket. It's like, it's that always like, like fake ice. The brown paper bags are made out of plastic and stuff. You know? yeah. yeah. And and honestly with the rain falling, I don't even know that I would have noticed if the no. jacket wasn't soaking wet. Like yeah. just the scene is already built up. Why does he was he just holding a fake I, dove oh two God. seconds ago and now it's real? Like what there was continuity there, huh? And why and where's the dove even from? Like what does it even mean? Like I don't like I guess biblical reference, like, peace? I don't know, but he's going to kill him. So, oh, there's the crazy eyes, though. I do love that. He's perfectly cast. Yeah, he is. He does a very good job. (laughs) This is a great line. just captures the whole plight of the replicants yeah it's great yeah 
but it's also like that's what it means it is to be human too yeah. yeah like so that's why because we're all slaves to something in some way because it's like free will and uh, is still like within a certain set of of boundaries like we have so many physical constraints that free will is has caveats with how it's how it's defined so it's not really that profound a statement in in the context of like overall what the film has been saying because i mean that's like everybody on earth is basically like you know they're not slaves but they're clearly not uh, a part of the uh the god creators like the tyrell corporation they're at the bottom of the barrel well, essentially, everyone on Earth is at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, they that's what I mean. The planet, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why his apartment is so slovenly. So this last bit of dialogue he has, the night before filming, without telling Ridley Scott, he essentially like cut ninety percent of these lines out, and just kept the parts he liked. And then the very last uh, line he has is just one he created on his own. It said apparently like moved people on the set to tears, like. It, this is, I love this bit of dialogue yeah. here. Yeah, and finally we, we get somewhere, you know? Yeah. Like, literally, like, like, he's acting crazy, but we decided to give him, like, an actual human moment. Yeah. Yeah. Why is his skin turning blue? Those were his tattoos. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he has a few. Um, I thought chest. it was like the rain hitting it. I was like, what, what the fuck is going on? And then, But that makes more sense. So. And then the dove. I don't... I don't really know. Like, I'm all... I love biblical references. That's why I love Darren Aronofsky. This film just does it very lazily. So he dies here, but I guess there's like a brief point where they show on a screen like his the date he was made and so mm-hmm. he actually is at like at this point in the film he's at like three years and 10 months so he actually had like two months more to live before his actual so i wonder if maybe it's not like a hard set date it's just they give him roughly a four year yeah yeah that uh, makes thing. sense but i guess that's people had a problem with that they're like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> if you look really close for two seconds there's a scene that gives his like his birth date you know or his creation date Oh yeah, back on the when yeah. he's running. Yeah, so if you, if you added files, it, it being November twenty nineteen, he should have more time. But I don't think it matters. It would yeah. be really fortunate if the, his his time happened to run out right when they needed this film to end. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm fine with it not being an exact four year date. And there you go. That yeah, are you through? Finished? You know, a very obviously um, a reference to Jesus's final words on on the cross. But Harrison Ford is not a martyr again. It's just another martyr reference, another biblical reference. I don't understand. But yeah, like, so I love, I like that scene. Like, if you just take it in, in, um, in a vacuum, uh, Rutger Hauer's little monologue there at the end, his soliloquy, it's amazing. It's great. Where did it come from? There's nothing in his character that suggests that he's not about to kill him. Like he even met, he, like even if he's pulling him up, it's suggested that he's doing it menacingly so that he can torture him more. Yeah. There's nothing 
there's nothing that suggests that he's changing into something better or more human or nice. So it would have been better if he had that gradual change throughout. And that would that would be even better because then you'd see him become more human instead of becoming more crazy to see him become more human. Yeah. Then then you'd really sympathize with the, the replicants much more in this. I think they this really missed out on its opportunity to like really kind of tell that story of of you know basically like uh, when when do you achieve sentience you know and and at that point are you on the same level as a human being and this kind of missed out on that a lot because they they have them act absolutely bonkers in this film instead of edging closer to what humanity is you know yeah okay and that I just haven't written my ideas down that is exactly everything I have wrong with this problem they're not getting more human I mean, I'm sorry, this is everything, this is every problem I have with this movie. They're not getting more human. So we don't sympathize with them. Yeah, so you're it so right. Yeah. Completely, no, you're so right is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, uh, you were going to pat me on the back. Oh, definitely. Because, but yeah, like we're not, we're not moving anywhere. It's, it's all in service of, uh, of this movie being a hit job um for sam deckard like that's all he's doing is cleaning up the streets and they have to look bad in order for them him to kill them in cold blood yeah because he's the protagonist even though he's a terrible protagonist he's a raper yeah it's this film yeah, is I so don't really sympathize with him either yeah. exactly all of this oh yeah but he loves rachel wake up it's time i have needs that's the thing it's like <laughs> It's, yeah, it, but he's not. It's not like he got to the end and he let Roy go or whatever. He chose to like turn away from his Blade Runner way. He's not redeemed at this at the end of this movie either. So he's not like. There's nothing compelling really about any of these characters. There's no uh, satisfying arc to the end of what's going on in this film. You yeah, know? and it hardly feels like there's an arc at all. It's just like different weird points that like. And this is why like maybe the three maybe in the theatrical cut these characters are a little bit different. Um. Sometimes. They had over four hours of film to work with, so I imagine <laughs> there there is some way you can cobble this movie together to make you care more about these characters. I think I absolutely I, think I, I care mostly about Roy just because I I just love the, the performance behind yeah, the performance it. Yeah. Is amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't get this. And then here we have another origami thing. It's a unicorn. It's because Harrison Ford is a unicorn because he's a replicant who can live longer. I suppose that's. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I you guys made that up right now. That honestly makes the most sense out of anything else in this all movie. Over the place. But really, Rachel's a unicorn. Why did we? I mean, why did we need the, a memory echo of him saying that? That happened four like, minutes ago. Yeah, it, not even four <laughs> minutes ago, and it's over. <laughs> what why? the fuck? It just cuts off right there. Bang, done. Ah, I just don't understand. I can understand why this movie might be a classic in the same way that Star Wars is is an amazing click because it's not. It's awful. It's garbage. But it's like it's set like a certain aesthetic that uh, that film started to live to, up to. It became the standard that things were like, oh, this is what we expect. It looks so cool. I'm sure, we're going to yeah, get wider audience. This is full of like technical achievements for its time. Yeah. It mm-hmm. looks, it, I mean, for when it came out, this must have really blown people away, you know. And I hate that. I hate that rewatching it. It's like you can notice how dated it is, but I, I still like appreciate. Try, I gotta, still appreciate what I'm seeing. Yeah, you gotta yeah. try and like put that out of. Yeah, it's yeah. it's understanding the context of when you're watching this. I think helps you enjoy this film more. Yeah, you know? I still I, I still enjoy the movie. I like this. I I don't know if this is one I throw on, like because again I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. I have, until we're like I don't know if I've ever seen this movie. Not really. Before the other day, yeah. Yeah, but, I, I don't know if this is going to make a part of my regular rotation, no, whereas well, like Blade Runner 2049 is a movie I watch a couple times a year. 
Like I oh that, really? I love that film. Yeah. Oh yeah, that it's better than this. That's significantly. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. every way. Um, yeah. I mean, so how many electric sheep do we give it? Thank you. I was gonna say that. <laughs> Are you? Oh my god. I'm uh, very pleased. That's why the, we do a what's podcast. What's the Pokemon? Together. That's in the electric sheep. Are you Mareep? Mareep? Yeah. 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 Yep. That's why I'm with you. We'll put it, yeah, we'll put it in like Mareeps. Um, I think for, like I said, for, I think that the technical uh, aspects of this I'm going to, I don't want to feel like, because I feel like in my Sweet Girl one, I might maybe changed my number because you said something. Uh, I'm going to write mine down now. Okay. So that, okay. Uh, I have but it I, in my mind. I think for the, the, the technical achievements of this film, um uh howard um yeah uh rucker um howard in this is is awesome uh i think this has a cool aesthetic to it uh for those reasons i think i i pumped this movie up but yeah i I think that this this film missed out on a lot of like asking and answering important questions of like uh humanity and sentience and the the value of those uh and i wish it would have dove deeper into those and it's just this movie feels much longer than an hour and fifty minutes. Oh yeah, and that's that's part of my problem with it as well. Uh, but I still think I, I can appreciate it. is is kind of a classic. So I, I still I put this at like five, five out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I give it like a five four. Okay. I I, I like it. Um, there's definitely. I mean, without the rape scene, this is like a six seven. Yeah. Um, for me, how yeah. awkward is that? Yeah. Uh, I, there, I there's bet, there's good performances yeah. in this movie. I read before that um, that was originally written and even shot um, as a much more like loving like yeah. sex scene. Like, it should have been. So. <laughs> and so I have no idea why you removed that and it changed it to this much more abrasive, uh, you know, like you said, it's kind of, it's it's very... It's very rapey. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of a more eloquent way to put it. Like yeah. this forced kind of coercion into this situation. I, yeah. I don't really like it. <laughs> it's rape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that... So there's there's good points to this movie. I think it does a lot of weird things just for the sake of being weird, which I'm not a fan of. Um, do weird things for the sake of art, not for the sake of, oh, let's make my movie stand out. It'll be like, oh, this movie's fucking weird. It's got to be good, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I think they, they missed the mark on a lot of stuff. Uh, the story they could have done. I mean, there's a home run here. It's a softball pitch. Like you were saying, like humanity and the aspects of that could have been nailed here, and it wasn't. Right, right. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, and they they removed scenes that would have really pushed that narrative yep. forward. So it's just weird to me, like why why do that? You know. Yeah, and so so for me, like I just feel like I wouldn't call it juvenile. I would just call that the camera work, like a lot of the cin- cinematography, is so simplistic that it doesn't feel like they have like a mind for it. They don't have. They don't know what the what they've made. They don't know what they're trying to go with with their symbols, with their music, with their character development. All of it is wonky beyond belief like it's it's so weird to me looking back like why this is a classic because even if you were to look at this film like on the merits of story it's terrible it's really not very good but there's a lot of things i appreciate i I mean they they clearly have everything mapped out like they have the the um all of the street scenes with all of the people moving those 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 scenes are so hard to shoot um there's a lot of interesting things there it brings up some ideas but ultimately i'm gonna give it a 5.8 it's we're all hovering around the same yeah it's just not it's it's really not as good even if i if i saw it in 1986 i just don't think i feel like this would be like looking at one of the new star wars like wow an amazing marvel for the time but it's terrible yeah 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 i kind of get that 
So right, that's what I am. I'm 5.8 Mareep. Cool. <laughs> yeah, with that, I think we're wrapping this one up. Thanks for joining us on uh, Three Boys, One Couch. <laughs> and uh, hope you enjoyed that. And uh, join us again for more commentaries in the future. I'm your host, Connor. I have my co-host, Jaden. E. And former guest, Calvin. Thanks for having me back. Yep. Thank you for listening. Thank you.